We're going to have some fun today, uh, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. I hope that you are too, because it is a beautiful day to worship in God's house. Amen? Amen. Amen. Even if it is Charles C. McGuire Gymnasium, which is quite uh, the gymnasium. But hey, I want to echo what Brianne said this morning uh, as part of her announcements. If you're here as a dad this morning, we want to say Happy Father's Day uh, to you. We're excited. Uh, and yet we're also aware of this idea that Father's Day isn't exactly easy for all of us. And I know some of us go through the today with mixed emotions, and I just want to let you know that you're in the right place. Wherever you're at, if you're celebrating, right, if you're, uh, if you're feeling a sense of guilt, if there's a burden that you're carrying, or you're just thankful that you made it out of bed this morning and the little people in your house made it here too. Wherever you're at, we just want to say Happy Father's Day, and we're glad that you're here. And that goes for all of you. All of you that are here to worship this morning, we're glad that you're with us. This, you may not know this about hope, uh, but one of the things that we do every single year is we have a theme that kind of overarches our entire year. It, it's a thread that runs through our calendar and our preaching series and all these other things that pull us together across all four campuses. And uh, this year, uh, 2014, is a year of roots and renewal. Everybody say roots. roots. All right, everybody say renewal. There you go, exactly. We like, we like to have actions around here, in case you're wondering, this isn't your typical Lutheran church, right? Everybody say roots. roots. Come on, not all of you did the actions. Come on, here we go. Everybody say roots. roots. All right, everybody say real. All right, good. You had no idea what you're getting into when you came here this morning, did you? Right? But you're here. And that's our theme, is, is roots and renewal. And it comes out of Psalm 1-3. As uh, David is writing this psalm, we'll put it up on the screen here in just a second, but he, he's talking about people that love God, people that go all in with their relationship with God, that dig their roots down deep and experience the renewal that God has for us. And we want to be a Psalm 1-3 church. And so this is our theme this year. Let's read this together. The they in this sentence, again, is the people that uh, that love God and are digging their roots down deep. Let's read this together. They are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. They prosper in all that they do. We believe that God has good gifts that he loves to give to his children. We believe God is the perfect father even when we are not. Amen? Amen. As hard as I try to be a good dad, there are moments where I just think, God, why did you let me do this? Why did you let me do this? Right? But as a church, we're focusing on getting our roots down deep and experiencing the renewal that God wants to give us. And one of the questions we've been asking through this year is, are you all in? And I want to ask you this morning, I want to start there. I want you to think about personally, even we're, we're, we're halfway through 2014. Can you believe that? Right? Time is flying. What, what's God been doing since January 1st? Are you all in? Or is there a part of your life that you're holding on to, something that you're holding back from? And if that's you this morning, if, if you get the sense that there's so much more, that not, not that you could be doing or that you should be doing, but if, if there's so much more joy, if there's so much more peace, if there's so much more excited, if you feel like God has this larger story that you could be living and for some reason you're missing, what is it that's holding back? What is it that's holding you back? Why not dig in? Why not dig in? Let's dig in our roots and see how God wants to change our life. Because here's the thing. The longer I try and follow Jesus, the more I try and get to know and build my relationship with God, the more I'm amazed at how much he loves us. More I'm amazed at how wild the Holy Spirit is and, and the, the things, the experiences, the joy that God wants to give us. It never seems to not blow my mind. 
So that's what we're doing. We're digging in our roots so we can experience renewal. And that's looked like a lot of things this year. It's looked like doing some mission projects. We throw in park nights, right? Anybody been to park nights having fun? If you haven't been yet, you need to put it on your calendar. It's been a blast. But we've also done things like studying the Ten Commandments. Now, doesn't that sound like a great time, right? A sermon series on Ten Commandments. The stories of Jesus wrestling with these tough questions, like why does God allow suffering? Right? But that's part of going all in with God is wrestling even with the tough questions. Well, today I've got a treat for you. Right? We're going all in. We're digging our roots down deep, but not just any roots. Right? We're going into the kind of roots you probably don't think about. All right? You ready for this? It's exciting. We're going to dig into our Lutheran roots. Yeah, everybody say, ooh. Right? You got out of bed this morning. Man, I just, you just said to yourself, I cannot wait to learn about what it means to be Lutheran. Right? Right? Anybody think that? Right? And today, though, we are digging into that idea, our Lutheran roots. We're kicking off a sermon series. It's called, What's a Lutheran? And I got to be honest, when I heard the title of this sermon series, all I could think of in my mind, anybody watch The Crocodile Hunter growing up, right, on the Animal Channel? is the Australian guy that's clearly doing things that no normal, sane person should be doing, right? What I'm going to do, I'm going to find this crocodile, right? And I, all, I heard this, what's a Lutheran? All I could think of was this, it was a show on a cable network hosted by Steve Irwin, and he's looking for the most mysterious, unknown creature known to humankind, right? You know what that is? It's Lutherans. <laughs> They're kind of this mysterious group of people, and, and when you think about it, it it's, they're just kind of puzzling, right? And I think it's interesting being a part of a church like Hope, and it's one of the things that I love about this community is we have Lutheran in our name, right? But it's not the main thing. There's something bigger, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 And yet there's gifts that God wants to give us through, I believe, our Lutheran heritage, right? But as I've been talking about this, and, and most of us, I think if I asked you in a conversation, well, what does it mean to be Lutheran? Like, you could maybe throw out a few things, but a lot of us would have a hard time even putting that into words. And again, that's not a bad thing. I think that's kind of a healthy thing, and yet there's more that God wants to show us about what it means to follow Jesus through a Lutheran lens. And I think sometimes we get, we mistake the picture for the frame where we think, well, I'm a Lutheran. No, Lutheran is an adjective for Christian, we are Lutheran Christians. And as I talked to people about this, kind of poked around, here's, I found people that attend our amazing church usually end up in one about three categories. Some, they love it, right? They just, they just are pumped and they're excited and they love the whole Lutheran thing. Other people, probably not so excited, but they tolerate it because they're excited about what God is doing here at Hope, right? But most, most of you, I would guess, probably rarely even think about it. We just don't start our thinking there. And again, I think that's a healthy thing. Because if we're focused on being something other than the kind of people who are trying to keep up with the Holy Spirit and understand what God is doing in us and through us and around us, what are we not thinking about, right? If we're not focused on what God's doing, then we're not focused on what God is doing. And yet, who we are as Lutherans is pretty important. I think God has something that he wants to do in us as we experience this roots and rule season. And some of you are like, well, wait a minute. Did I come to church this morning and you're going to try and talk me into being a Lutheran? No way, right? And I would say, who can blame you? Because when you think about Lutherans, we're kind of an interesting bunch. I put a question up on the screen uh, this morning. I also put it on Facebook this week, and the answers were, were interesting to watch. I'll use that word carefully, interesting to watch, right? 
But what comes to mind when you think of Lutheran? I asked you that question on the screen this morning. Turn to your neighbor and share the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word Lutheran. Are you marks? Get set. Go. All right. Hopefully you got something. Right? I think of a lot of things, but we wonder about why being Lutheran. I mean, look at the, some of the things that we're known for. Right? I'm sure you probably said some of these, these are some of the things that came to mind, some not. But the number one answer when I put this on Facebook this week, potlucks. Right? <laughs> potlucks. That's interesting. Some people put lutefisk, which is this strange fish that Norwegians don't even eat, but as Lutherans, for some reason, culturally, we thought it'd be good. People talked about various colored hymnals and which one was more important, Sven and Oli jokes. Has anybody ever heard a Sven and Oli joke? Some of you, good, right? There will be a, a meeting after the service out in the cafeteria if you want to tell your Sven and Oli jokes. Don't come tell them to me after the service. I've heard them all, so... All right? Lutherans are known for strong coffee. That's what people are putting on Facebook. Somebody even chimed in punch that matches the correct liturgical color for the season of Pentecost last weekend, right? That was a guy that goes to the 11 o'clock service. And those are just the lighter ones, right? But people talked about this idea on a little bit deeper scale. What are Lutherans known for? Being rigid? Being traditional? Being stuck in the past? Ignoring the Holy Spirit, too private when it comes to sharing your faith, boring, irrelevant, not exactly what you want to hear. And that's an extensive list. And if we're being honest, I think at times Lutheranism can reflect that. And, and I would emphasize, again, when it comes to sharing our faith, some of us, right, the Lutheranness in us or that tradition traditionally has been shying away from those things, right? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, we just don't quite know what to do sometimes, right? I mean, have you ever been to a Lutheran church when the Holy Spirit showed up and the place went crazy, right? You go into some churches, I'm thinking, uh, I mean, Hope is, is one of these churches where people feel comfortable and they can worship, but you go into, uh, and, and they're excited, right? God, we love you. We're so excited what you're doing. You want to raise your hands and worship you. You want to show it. You know what happens when you go to a traditional Lutheran church and the Spirit is on fire, Right? They move from this into like this, the Lutheran sway. This is what they do, right? Right? That's what happens when the Holy Spirit takes off. And of course, I'm being facetious. The Holy Spirit works in Lutheran churches, and I'm a product of that foundation growing up in that. But I think it's good every once in a while for us to poke fun of ourselves, too, and to understand where you're coming from. And again, many of you are probably sitting here this morning saying, I've never attended a Lutheran church before I came to Hope. I have no idea what a Sven and Oli joke is, right? The only potlucks I ever went to were with my neighborhood, and they were good. What are you talking about? Why, why does everybody associate Lutheranism with Jello? But for those of you that grew up in this world, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You went through the confirmation, had to memorize the things, and that it's interesting though, Right? No wonder we chuckle when people say, when we make the joke sometimes around here, that the spirit, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is Lutheran, right? <laughs> I was at a concert one time. It was small enough that the, the, the performer was integrating with the, office, or with the, the audience, and she uh, was talking to all the different groups that had come to this thing, and she said, oh, Lutherans, the Lutherans are here, and she called us the frozen chosen, Right? <laughs> And there's a reason why we chuckle at that. I think it's important, though, that we understand that Lutheranism has, it's, it's got some weaknesses, some things that we can poke fun of, but there are strengths there as well. 
And I think our name, Lutheran Church of Hope, ties that together perfectly, right? Yes, we're Lutheran. Yes, we understand that there's hope, but it's not because of some amazing potluck, right? It's not because we have red hymnals. We don't even have hymnals in this church, right? It's not because of some denomination, but it's because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And it's because of him that we gather. It would be so easy to be a part of this community and never think twice about the L word. And again, as we go through roots and renewal, I wonder if God doesn't want us to dig down deep even into our Lutheran heritage and see what he has to reveal to us about the way that he loves us. And so we're launching a four-week series, and we're going to dive into this. But before we get into some of the, the deeper stuff and the practical applications, you just have to know the story. So you ready to dig in to what does it mean to be a Lutheran? All right, good. You're riveted. I can tell you guys are excited, right? So if you're going to understand who Lutherans are, the first thing you need to know is that Luther, the guy, yes, there was actually a guy named Martin Luther. That's where we get our name from, right? He was a monk. He was a monk. He lived way back when. The 1483 was the year that he was born. So, you know, he's kind of old school, but, but he was legit. He had some important things to, to say, right? And he became a monk after one day he was walking home uh, after school or university or something, and he got caught in a rainstorm, and it was bad enough. The lightning was close enough to him. He said, God, if you get me through this, how many of us have made a deal like this, right? God, if you get me through this, I will become a monk. Well, guess what? He showed up at home, and he was the kind of guy who kept his promises, right? So Luther became a monk, which leads us right into the next thing. The fact that he even kept that promise, it tells you that, God, that Luther took God very seriously. He took God's word seriously. Luther also took sin seriously. And it seemed he had such a guilty conscience that he was so in need of confessing his sin. The, the, the guy who oversaw him in the monastery, uh, his confessor, actually told him at one point, hey, Martin, come back to me when you have something interesting to confess, Right? Because he was doing every single little thing. He was so obsessed with wanting to make sure that he was in right relationship with God. Not in some way that he felt like he needed to, to get everything off of his chest, but I think it was more about understanding the greatness of God. How much he loves us and how holy and amazing that he is. And beyond being a little passionate, Luther was also brilliant. And that's why his confessor later when he was appointed dean of a newly forming university in the town of Wittenberg, Germany... He invited him to be a part of the faculty, right? Luther loved to study. He loved to argue. He was going to be a lawyer, and he quit, right? But he had that kind of background. He didn't think it was exciting enough. And so he went into ministry and theology. He loved to argue. He loved to ponder. And God's word was no exception. Luther loved the scriptures. And it was in reading and studying this book of Romans that God began to work on him, began to change his understanding of who God was and the way that a relationship with God works for the longest time. And I think some of us go through life thinking this too, right? God is this grouchy, grumpy, angry person that's only concerned with settling accounts with us. And that was the message that he had received. But as he began to read Romans, he began to understand, wait a minute. I think there's something totally different here. What if God's not as concerned about sin management? What if God wants a relationship? What if God is a father who loves his children and is extending grace to them through faith? It's a reality we found in our Bible passage today, and I want to put it up on the screen as well. Let's read this together. If you have to sum up Christianity, if you have to sum up the reason why Jesus had to come to earth, if you had to sum up what it means to be Lutheran, 
I think this verse says it all. Let's read it together. For everyone has sinned, for we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. God declares that we are righteous. And he goes on to say that he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. People are made right with God. We take this for granted now, but imagine living in a world where people didn't understand this. We are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. What's the verb in that sentence? Believe. Luther's pivotal moment was built on this idea that you don't have to do something to get to heaven. Right? If heaven's up here and we're down here, the arrow doesn't go up. We don't try and get up there. God comes down to us. Changes everything. So as he settled into this position as a professor, he began to realize, like, something's not quite right here. Something smells a little fishy. And he began to see this distinction between Scripture teaching one thing, but the church beginning to do this other. And it all finally came to a head when a guy named Johann Tetzel came to town. Everybody say Johann Tetzel. Right? That's available for baby names if anybody wants to borrow that. Right? Johann Tetzel. Right? And he brought these slips of papers called indulgences, which were ways, things you could buy. Uh, basically, it was a fundraiser for the church at the time to build a new building. Right? We should have just done that. It was, but it was pay money, and your relatives will get out of purgatory or hell and get into heaven. A little, a little money. They had this whole message around it. Needless to say, Luther was mortified when he discovered this. And he thought they just had slipped in, into it accidentally. But this message the church was sending was even being taught publicly. And he was bothered by it, and rightly so. Take a look at this clip and tell me if anything catches you off guard, rubs you a wrong way about the message that the church was sending. Let's take a look. He's got some convincing sermon illustrations, doesn't he? Yeah. Playing the fear card, the fear factor, even worse, right, than the guy at the farmer's market. Likes to let people know where they're headed rather than how much God loves them, right? You hear a message like that and you just wonder, how can it get so far off track? And Luther heard that and he decided, as people filled with the Holy Spirit often do, when injustice comes, when things happen, people speak up. And speak up he did by by posting 95 theses, 95 points of contention, 95 understandings and ideas that he saw wrong with what was going on with that message. And he posted them on the local uh, church's door just outside the University of Wittenberg, right? These 95 points of contention, these ideas that Luther had that the things that he felt needed to be corrected with what was taking place eventually began inadvertently, quite by accident. I mean, Luther just thought he was engaging a, a spiritual debate and was, people would just change their mind and things would just go on as, as they had been inadvertently, right, started a movement known as the Reformation. And if you have to boil down, discover, I mean, what are those 95 ideas that Luther brought to the table? Eventually, you can boil them down to four, and we call them the four solas. Uh, sola means only or alone. Uh, and there's this idea 
that salvation for humanity, it comes through grace alone. It's not something that we can do on our own. It comes through faith alone. It's not the works that we do. It's not God settling account, right? But it's our belief that Romans was just talking about. It comes through God's word or scripture alone. And if you're looking for salvation, it's from Christ alone, And we'll be diving into a few of these these next couple weeks as a part of this series. This is our legacy. This is what we benefit from being Lutheran church, Lutheran's ministry, Luther's ministry. This is the legacy that he leaves with us. And they're all great things, but it's Christ alone that resonates uh, with us as a church. And that's what we're going to dig into today. And you can tell this if you go to our website, you look at our core values. I'm sure you all do that all the time, your spare time. You just want to go and check that out, right? But core values are important. Yeah, there's words that are put on a page somewhere, but it's also the way that we do life. Number one, Jesus is life. The rest is details, right? It's not about the songs we sing. It's not about the hoopla and the parties that we throw. It's about what Christ has done. It's about focusing on him. And unless you have that in place, that Jesus is life and the rest is just details, then it's hard for everything else to make sense. And speaking of having things in place, it got me thinking this week about, that's a phrase we've been throwing around the Hermanson household lately. Do we have everything in place? I don't know, you all don't probably know me well enough to know that I have kids at home, but I have three kids and soon to be fourth in less than 30 days. All right? Four kids. There's only two of us that are adults in this house, right? In panic, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's <laughs> what I love about Hope Des Moines, right? Don't worry, Rick. There's grace for all. It's a free gift. Right? But we've been asking, and, and, and people are wondering, and I think people are starting to get a little nervous about us. Like, do you guys have everything in place? Like, do you know what you need to do? And we're like, come on, it's the fourth one. We can figure this out, right? I mean, the other three have survived, and, and they're, they're doing pretty good, right? But we're beginning to ask these questions around the Hermitson household, because people know, and they've seen us, right? If we don't have everything that we need in place, right, then things will go crazy. Things can go sideways. Everything else can get off kilter and seem to not make sense. And even in this idea of having kids and preparing for this new season of life that we're about to be thrust into, right? I mean, yeah, we've got the car seats. Yeah, we've got uh, the crib and we've got uh, all of the supplies that we need. I mean, things are ready to go, right? We've got the bags. Well, we don't have the bag pack, but we will soon, right? And yet, I don't know that that's enough. As a dad, inside of me, this idea, like, do I have what it takes, right? I mean, can we really handle four kids? We're going to have to take a lot of naps, right? And that's when God hit me. Hey, you're a Christian, aren't you? Right? You want to have the main thing in place? Start praying about it. Put it where it belongs. Surrender it. Give it to God, right? Because salvation comes through Christ and Christ alone, When we have that in place, it changes everything. And the same was true for Luther. He began to understand this idea of the gospel, and it was completely different, right? He began to think about verses like Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What's the common word in that sentence? Christ, right? Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He doesn't accuse us. He doesn't remain angry forever. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate for those who love him. 
These are the ideas that Luther's beginning to understand. John 8, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He tells his disciples, if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. And this message, it couldn't have been more opposite than what the church was teaching. Instead of trusting Christ alone for salvation, they had slipped into this easy temptation to put trust in themselves and in their traditions and in the way they'd always done it. Where do you put your hope and your trust in salvation? If it's not Christ, then it's going to let you down. And Luther couldn't seem to ignore the fact that lots of people were living in that way. He took God's word seriously and he decided he had to take a stand. And soon he found himself on trial facing excommunication, which to us is not a big deal because you can just go down the street to the next church, right? But for Luther, I mean, this was the empire that he lived in was getting ready to kick him out. Serious consequences. And he's on trial and eventually the question comes, Luther, all these things that you've written, do you take them back? The, the phrase they use is, do you recant? Do you bring it back? And for Luther in that moment, it's decision time, right? Is he going to go big or is he going to go home alive, right? Is he going to put his life in God's hands or is he going to take the easy way out? It had to have been a tough spot to be in and yet it seems like Luther knew exactly what God was up to, right? He knew that he was a sinner, Romans 3.23. And yet he knew exactly what Christ had done. God had taken care of every need that he had. Even if it didn't feel like it, he knew that God had taken care of him, Romans 3.24. And yet he had to have been torn, right? On one hand, you've got this church that's ready to burn you at the stake. And on the other hand, he's had this personal transformation of the gospel. He understands and has experienced who Jesus really is. And he sees thousands of people not getting to experience it. They're just going through the motions. Luther is a free man when he's in this room on trial, and in that moment, the crowd gathered had to be asking, what's he going to do with that freedom? And that question also got me thinking this week. I feel like I've heard that before. What will you do with this freedom? And then it hit me, and then I realized that it was Father's Day. And we have a sermon clip that we need to watch. So watch this and ask yourself, if you're free in Christ, what do you do with your freedom? Let's take a look. Guys, you're welcome. Happy Father's Day, right? I mean, if you've seen the movie Braveheart, you know what they do, right? You know what they do with their freedom. And I'm guessing by the sense that we're attending a Lutheran worship service this morning, you probably know what Luther did this morning as well. And yet I think it's a valuable question. What will you do with your freedom? Will you trust in whatever God has for you, whatever those whispers are that he's giving you in your daily life, right? The kind of person to be the the things to stand up for. Will you use your freedom for good? Luther chose to take a step forward and to trust God, and it's the reason why we're here. It's the reason why we are a Lutheran church. It's the reason why we're proud of that Lutheran tradition, because that's what it means to be Lutheran, to trust God in the moments, no matter where it takes us, no matter what's on the line, and you can see that again in our core values. Number three, we worship God, not tradition. We worship God, tr not tradition. And you might be asking, well, what did Luther really do? I think he lived out this plea of St. Peter in First Peter 2, verse 16. He says, 
to the church that he's writing to that's in tough circumstances. He says, live as free people, right? But don't use that freedom as a cover-up for evil. Don't use that freedom to be lazy, right? To take advantage of God's grace, but instead to allow yourself to be filled with God's love, to begin to put the world back together, to join God in what he's already doing. So what does it mean to be Lutheran? It means to know that you're free. It means to know that in Christ, everything that you have is taken care of, to live free, to know that it comes from Christ and Christ alone. Not because we can figure it out, but because God is good and he is full of grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. And there's another part of it, though, that we neglect sometimes, and that's to acknowledge that as God's love comes into us, as God's love invades our life like a virus, right, as he floods us, eventually we overflow to the point where we can't help, again, as Luther, respond with action. And you can see this in Luther's life, but you can see this in Christ's life as well. I think it's amazing, the parallels. Philippians 2 talking about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not consider equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, raw obedience. Because his father had asked him, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. God became a man, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. As Lutherans, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we don't help God put the world back together because we have to. We do it because we get to. We do it because it's the best possible way that I can think of spending my time. And the amazing thing is that Lutherans have been doing this for centuries. There are countless examples. The one that comes to mind is a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a theologian, but also a Lutheran pastor right? Vocal opposition against Hitler to the point they executed him. That sounds like commitment to helping God put the world back together. I think of the organization Lutheran World Relief. Today, just this last year, 8 million people helped in fighting injustice, poverty, human suffering. Going back to my Facebook survey, I think that's the thing that bothers me about it is yes, we can laugh about the potlucks and the hymnals and the jello that's read for Pentecost Sunday, but what was missing in that list of things that people, when they think of, they think of Lutheran? Heck, for a lot of our society, when people think of Christian, they leave some of these words out. What about Christ-like? What about willing to sacrifice to do the right thing? What about compassion? What about rebels? Don't you want to be a part of a rebellious, in a good way, Lutheran church? That's our tradition, that's where we come from. People who do whatever it takes. I would love to be part of a church that is so in love with Jesus Christ, captivated by his grace, that that's who we are and that's who people see and know about us. As Lutherans, we are people who are deeply rooted in Christ in his love. It's not just a name on our church building. We don't even have a name on this building, right? But we've got signs out front. But it's a heritage of people passionately following Jesus wherever the Holy Spirit took them no matter what the cost. And on Father's Day, I don't think those words could be any more appropriate than the men that I see God cultivating. What he's doing is he's knitting the men of this congregation together as a family. It's been awesome to watch what God's been doing as he's brought men together, men beginning to trust one another, spend time together, serve together, understand that this is beginning, they're beginning to catch on. Like, this is a safe place. Like, I don't have to be perfect here. I don't have to have it 
all together. Men who drop everything to go serve when they need to serve. They're willing to say tough things to one another when they've built a relationship and they need to say tough things to each other. Right? I'm excited about what God's doing in my family right? as we're growing and yet I'm just as excited as what God is doing in this family because not only do we need our family, we need extended spiritual family. And watching men lead other men, begin to invest in and love on and support other men. And if we keep this up, I think God's going to continue to transform what this city looks like. And here's the thing. Luther doesn't get to have all the fun of being the rebel and changing the way that people think. Men, you have no idea the impact you can have on the way, just by the way that you live your life. People are around you. They're watching you understanding that your life sends a message by the way that you live it. As we close today, I just want to show you one last clip. And as I watched this, it began to drill that home, not just in my head, but into my heart, that the way, and it's true for all of us, not just the men, the women too, all of us as representatives of Jesus, the way that we live our life, it speaks volumes about who God is. So as you watch this, be thinking about your own dad today. Father's Day is for all of us. But also be thinking about the message that your life is sending. Let's take a look. There's a lot of things I love about that clip, and yet I think what speaks to me more than anything is that dad is not perfect. That dad was not perfect. The son clearly wasn't perfect either. And yet because God's amazing grace... His name is glorified. The tradition passes on. Christ's message still gets out. And we have the opportunity to do a couple things today. One is to celebrate our dads. But I think the other is to celebrate our heavenly Father and the love that he has for us. And... I couldn't be more proud of the way that the men of this church represent God, the way the things that they teach about God, not just in the way that they use their words, but the way that they live their lives. And so this morning, let, let's stand together. As we send, uh, as we wrap this up, as we send ourselves out into this world, carrying God's grace with us, I want to I want to do something we did for the ladies a few weeks ago on Mother's Day. I want to do it for the guys as well. If, you have a, if there's a gentleman around you, you can ask him first. But I just love to be a church that supports guys, that empowers them as dad, that allows them to know that there's grace for them. So if there's a guy next to you, would you just ask him if you could put your hand on his shoulder uh, so we can lay hands and pray for one another. Uh, I just want to pray. I want to pray that God will raise up uh, not just the ladies in this church, but the men as well. We want to focus on them today to be image bearers, right? To be carriers of good news, to be spiritual dads raising up our next generation. Let's pray. God, we say thank you this morning for, Lord, for the gifts that you've given us. Lord, not, not just the fact that we're in this cool church, but God, the fact that we are Lutheran Church of Hope, and the only reason that we can be that is because your spirit lives in us. God, because your grace is a free gift, and because people have stepped forward, Lord, to make the difficult decisions to live for you rather than give in to the temptation to trust in ourselves alone. And God, I pray for the men of this church. I pray for these men 
of hope that are here. God, I pray that they just, they wouldn't just be a name, but I pray that it would be the way that they live. As men of hope, not hope in themselves, God, but hope that comes from you. I pray you'd give them grace where they need grace. I pray you'd kick them in the rear end where they need to be challenged. God, I pray that you would humble them where they need to be humbled. But God, most of all, I pray that they would know that they are loved and that they have what it takes. God, we thank you for this and all that you have done, are doing, and will do through your name. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Guys, as you leave today, we've got gifts for you at the door. We want to give you a tool to help you grow as men following Jesus. Have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you.